It's confusing, isn't it? Because I was just watching the World Cup, which I did stop in the background. And so I can watch live football on ITV with Mm -hmm. no fan, but I come on Crowdcast for a live thingy jiggy and I get fan. What is that? It's interesting because football really requires fans. Hey! Our Crowdcast, we don't need any fans. Thank you very much for joining today. We're going to be talking about the things that we learn around pricing versus putting that learning into practice. This was inspired by a little bit of a spicy comment thread that appeared after a post that I shared about a guy, Mark Ritson. He wrote this post about how Elon Musk was getting pricing wrong. And then someone came back at him because Mark is he's got he's a professor in marketing. Someone came back at him and, ah, you're an academic. You don't know anything about pricing. And while Elon Musk, he's in it. He's doing it. Uh, I'm not sure if he's doing it well, to be honest, from the outside. <laughs> but anyway, Mark got back saying, you know, he's he's has real-world experience in this as well as some kind of academic experience. So maybe thought, think, actually, yeah, we know. We want to educate people about these different ways you can think about how you price. But ultimately, you have to do that. You have to go in front of someone and you have to give a number. So... I thought we could talk about that and the things that might get in the way that we've seen that might gets in the way of people of actually pricing well, even though they have the knowledge. So we've done a few, quite a few rounds of the uh, happy pricing course. And when we first started doing that, we were doing it, doing it over a week. So we would meet every day for a week and it was really intense. And um, we'd meet for an hour a day and there would be basically versions of uh, me and or you shouting at everybody in a very friendly way for a whole week and everyone would get to the end of the week and then need to go to sleep for two and a half weeks, at which point they would wake up and promptly do absolutely nothing with any of the kind of tools and tips and tactics and strategies which they had uh, heard about over the kind of the, the, the program for the week. And we ran the, we ran the format like that for a little while. And then last time around, we actually changed the format so that it ran over a six week period. So there was the opportunity, A, for people not to feel shouted at, even in a friendly way, over an intensive, intensive week. We could all speak a little bit more calmly and quietly and in a considered way without having to kind of race through all of this sort of useful tools and tips and tactics. And part of the reason for, for doing that was kind of a wish, a desire that we would be able to help people make that quite hard leap between starting to hear the theory of something uh, and the hard leap to, from the theory to the to the practice. So I think the, for want of a better story, <laughs> this was, the, the, you know, the, this kind of journey was, you know, is what kind of comes to mind there. Because I think when we started out, there was a desire to give people the tools and tactics to help them start to learn. But the realization or yeah, the, the kind of realization, the kind of remembering essentially, that really the hard work is is then in the doing. We can have, you know, all the tools and tactics. We can hide behind many tools and tactics in, in many instances. But actually, when push comes to some kind of shove, we are going to find ourselves sitting in front of somebody else and we're going to have to be talking about money in some form. And that is difficult for people um, is one of the one of the challenges which come out of that. And also, you know, money makes lots of us kind of very uneasy. So all of that dis-ease, that uncomfort, discomfort is very present when we then find ourselves sitting person to person. Yeah, talking I think the stuff. discomfort thing is the interesting bit 
what's what's bring out for me was the difference between teaching and coaching mm. and so uh the first approach was very much a teaching based approach this is a brain dump of all the useful things we think you need to know take them use them versus a coaching approach which is, i think is just from my perspective is a bit more emergent uh, and is based on what is the problem at hand for the coachee for the participant so they bring the the stories the challenges to the table and the coach then helps them answer their own questions based on what they understand to be their the things that are getting in the way in the time now that's quite a bespoke approach and you do that as well ben's you know he coaches one to one with people and i i can imagine that be uh, it's quite a responsive way of working you can't necessarily predict what people are going to come to you with but you you can work with what you've got based on your knowledge and experience um in the case of where we want to be with the happy pricing i think is that interesting intersection where we present some stuff but we also try and respond to people's challenges and then apply that knowledge to that specific uh issue but also talking to what might be also getting in the way for the specific person so that's that's the messy i think bit about this work when you really want to make some a change in someone's life in when it comes to whatever uh thing they're learning at the time in this case pricing versus being able to have something that you can deliver and it's, it's like systematic that's the nice thing about a course there's a curriculum follow the curriculum you're done more often than not when it's a real world thing not necessarily the case with that in mind i thought rather than us do that whole thing like oh this is what you do and this is what people what gets in your way why don't we use some of these questions that are coming in the chat now to talk about what we might teach but then maybe share what we think might get in the way and mm-hmm. if Zoe or Claire are brave they can come on join us and say what is getting in the way mm-hmm. so i'm going to i'm going to start with Zoe's uh, point here and it's it's essentially she knew how to price for consumer goods in her previous job and now she's having to switch to mentoring and she has no clue how to price these services so maybe we can just start off by thinking all right how can she start thinking about this without going as i assume so you might be doing a finger in the air or then looking at other people who do mentoring in in that space and trying to essentially figure out what pricing is dependent on them of course all of this stuff is much easier for people who have some kind of record or sort of some some journey essentially of the thing that they're doing when you are starting out you know you don't have the same kind of sort of uh, information available to you as you would do if you've been kind of working in a, in a sort of field in a space for a certain amount of time so it is definitely harder when you are first begin one of the first things that we do uh, get people to focus on on the course is getting people to uh, really have a good clear understanding of who it is they want to be working with who it is who their ideal who is because mentoring of course could take you know sort of many many different shapes or could, could come in many different forms the who you're mentoring is really really important because 
you know, the who you're mentoring, that type of who is that person in a company? Is that person not in a company? Are they paying for it themselves? Is somebody else paying for it? What are the other kind of things that that person or company is used to buying? What do they typically sort of spend money on? How much money do they typically spend? These are all of the pointers, the, the information guides that you would need to start exploring to start understanding, to start to give you a kind of a feel for what the person might spend. And of course, the other thing, once we, you know, the other part of this better understanding the who is one of the things that we sort of talk about sort of generally in these sort of podcasty things and uh, on the courses is understanding what it is that somebody is buying. Because the person who you, you know, Zoe will be working with in that instance, they're not really, well, they're not, they're not buying mentoring. Mentoring is in service of something else. They're buying mentoring to change something. So on the course, we sort of talk about that as being uh, that basically people buy two things. They're buying kind of a combination of good feelings and solutions to a problem. Uh, and so what those kind of good feelings are is a pointer to how much somebody wants to spend. But so is the solution to a problem. You know, the how badly somebody wants something to go away is a big marker or a big sort of pointer to how much they're willing to invest in making that happen. So again, this really trying to understand who is the person? What are the things which are important to them? What is it that they are trying to change as a consequence of your mentoring? The mentoring is in service of something. You need to start understanding what it is in service of to start to get to a place of understanding what an appropriate um, sort of fee might be for that. So I'm going to make some assumptions here, Zoe. So just uh, apologies if it's not exactly where you're at, but just to try and illustrate a point. Someone told me the difference between mentoring and coaching was mentoring in a sense, you're giving answers based on your own knowledge and experience. Coaching, you're pulling answers about out of other people that they already know. And so there's, there's that was one of the things that the way I want to classify my answer is that I'm assuming, let's say, you've got a lot of experience in consumer electronics industry, for instance, uh, and you know how a business grows or you know how to price things, you know, all the things around that. And so you could mentor people who are starting a similar kind of business and they want to basically speed up their development, avoid uncertainty, feel more clear about a plan, uh, maybe leapfrog or get some knowledge around import, export, some challenges that they face and how much they will pay you would depend on you finding out from them how much that business could be potentially worth as a, a signal i think as a, a and what i learned from ben so on one hand you could think of oh mentors charge x amount per hour or you can think of actually i want to help this founder or this person in this business go from here to there and connect to that change is a related uh an increase in revenue a decrease in costs, an uh, increase in confidence, a decrease in anxiety. And it's conversations around that that I think allow you to hone in to what a good price might be for you as well. And this is one of the things that Ben teaches on the program. People might actually also just buy you. There's something about being in a relationship with you that is of value. And so understanding why they are interested in you potentially, if, particularly if they're coming to you, or what is it about the relationship and, and the energy and chemistry between you that also could add this idea of price. Then there's what might get, might get in the way. Am I allowed to charge so much? You know, for instance, it's like, oh my God, I could, there's a potential to increase this person's revenue from 500,000 to a million with my knowledge. And I could charge a tenth of that revenue that potentially you made. So 
I don't know, 50 grand. Is that allowed? That could be one of the things that get in my way, which is more about a story rather than a level of knowledge. One of the stories that we kind of often tell is that when we're beginning, it's better actually to not charge very much because that helps us get clients and sort of prove our worth and our value and get things going. But actually, I've kind of found that actually completely not true um, in, in almost kind of every sense, actually, because money and price is a really important signal. And particularly when we're starting out, you know, the, the price that we suggest to somebody can either reassure people or it can suggest to people that we're also not totally convinced. But anyway, that's a, a slightly, slightly different point. I think, you know, the, the big thing that gets in the way is the story. Am I allowed to, is it appropriate to charge X or Y when I'm just starting out? You know, should I price at a lower level? Some of these kind of things. It's, it's often, it comes to down to story and confidence, essentially. And so that's that's a really interesting aspect of this in terms of the value of the change and, in a sense, what we can guarantee whether that change is going to happen or not and how that, I think, relates to confidence. I saw Richard talk, uh, he's got a comment here, uh, ethical dilemma and challenges on price discovery in healthcare. There's basically affordable healthcare versus healthy margins for sustainable quality growth. So that might be a little bit more, we can maybe talk to that in a bit, but there is one of the, I think, the things that we come across uh, a lot in, in our happy pricing course is people who want to make their work accessible and how pricing high, in inverted commas, makes them feel uncomfortable because it would be less accessible. And that, again, can get in the way of actually using these tools as well because you're now caught in some moral, personal moral dilemma about what is the right way? Well, am I allowed to use these tactics in a sense? Okay. All right. I'm going to go on to Claire and we've got Francis made a comment as well. We'll see if we can have a look at that in a bit. Uh, so Claire, what's the leap between what you are charging now and charging 10 times more? Yes. Well, that is interesting because that happens to talk to directly one of the one of one of the the modules on the course and and I guess one of the uh, some context actually before we sort of talk about it, I think one of the things that we're interested in with the course and actually all of this work we're doing is not really earning more just for the sake of earning more in fact the way we start the course and a lot of what we're talking about here is really for you know for people to kind of connect to what is important for them it might be that it is important for them to be earning more money and that you know it might be important for them to earn more money because they're not making it all sort of hang together properly they're running out of money they don't have enough money there are things that they can't afford there are things that they're not doing or they're sort of struggling so i think the thing that we're actually most interested in and just Again, there's context before we come to the idea of making something 10x. Most importantly, I think it's for people to connect. What is it that they want more money for? And so we start on the course with this idea of a more money, more money manifesto. So people can connect to that motivation, connect to that understanding. Because actually, we're not really clear about why we're doing something. We're never really going to do the hard work of making the change anyway. And it's important to know what that is. And so it may, it might be for whatever reason is relevant to you that, you know, making a leap where you are being paid 10 times the amount for your product or service than you are at the moment. It may be that it is important for you. In lots of instances, it is that, that it's important for you to make that leap. So where that is important. One of the, the things that we um, get people to, to look at when we're actually doing, doing the course 
around this idea of content because you know the whole thing around telex starts to kind of feel like it plays into the whole kind of business sort of hack thing you know blah, blah, that somehow there, there are kind of easy things to do of course there aren't there are of course benefits of talking about something as a as a telex in fact one of the coaches that i was worked with has a organization called strategic coach and uh on on that they do get you to think around your service and what you're doing in a sort of 10 times way. And the, the rationale that they use in that is the, you know, the advantage of doing it is that it forces you to, to think about your product service in a completely different way. Because if you're just thinking about kind of incremental changes where we, where people tend to get sort of stuck, and this happens too on the, the 10x question, which I'll come to in a second, where people get stuck is they just feel like they need to add more of what they're doing now to make something more valuable. But of course, if you do start to think about something from a 10 times multiple, you're forced to actually think about what you do in a completely different way. Now, that may not be doing something completely different, but at least thinking about what you do in a, in a different way. But the, the other thing, which I think is kind of really helpful around this idea of kind of 10 times, which is one of the things that we do get people to, to go and look at on the course, and it might be worth actually guys, I was just putting this um, exercise into the next newsletter so people can sort of do it anyway. Actually, the thing that we sort of find when you, if you say to me, you know, whether it's Claire or, or whatever, you know, the, at the moment I'm earning, I charge this. So whatever the, the number is, you know, let's say it's a hundred. Um, that I charge, I charge a hundred now. When you start off by saying, okay, so what would need to happen for it to be 10 times that? So the person's in mind, okay, think is, oh, it's a thousand. It's a thousand. How am I going to get to a thousand? You know, as I was talking about before, people's first sort of stop on that journey is to think, well, God, it needs to somehow be. 10 times the amount of what I'm doing now. And where we kind of, where we fall down to pretty quickly is it's 10 times more time. It's 10 times more effort. It's 10 times harder somehow, you know, is the kind of the picture in our mind. But of course, you can't really do that sort of thing. You can't, you know, most of the time work 10 times harder. You can't work 10 times more. You can't sort of suffer 10 times the sort of struggle to make, to make that happen. So it's, you know, thinking about it in that way is never going to get you there. One of the things that we like to get people to do is to actually then to, to kind of pause at that moment and reflect back, reflect back to a time where maybe, which is kind of almost universally true, you know, when was the time when you were earning one tenth of what you were earning now? So rather than the time now where you're char you charge a hundred, there was probably a time where you were doing a very similar thing, but you were charging 10. And so it's like, what changed actually for you? to go from the point, the place, the time where you were charging 10 to the place, the time now where you're charging 100. And the thing that people tend to find is that actually the what of what they do oftentimes hasn't changed at all. The thing that changed in that journey from 10 to 100, the thing that changes is that they thought about what they were doing differently. One of the other things that changes is the people who they were doing it with have changed. So those people, you know, there was so there was a pool of people who were sort of comfortable paying 10. There's now a pool of people who are comfortable paying 100. And the thing which kind of facilitated that change was the confidence that the Claire had or whoever it is is providing, the confidence that they had to go out to those people who had who could spend 100. So that, and to be able to kind of talk to them confidently with the experience of knowing how to do the thing they do, with the confidence of knowing that they have kind of delivered it, with the confidence of knowing that their product and service is important and useful and, and people kind of want it. They realize when they look back, I've already made this journey once. I've already made this transition, this 10x transition once. And so the same thing 
of course, could happen again. Because with that realization, with that story, you know, the brain, the mind is a hugely powerful thing. So, you know, once you kind of have understood that I've already made that leap once, actually, the belief is there to know, oh, I can do it again. It's the same thing I did before again, which might mean I start to work with different people. It might mean I'm talking about what I do in a slightly different way. It might mean that actually the confidence I have in the change that you will enjoy working with me is such that I'm better able to communicate that. They're the things which start to change for you to make that kind of leap if that leap is important to you. Boom. There you go, Claire. I'm like really excited now because I've got like three Ps to this now. Do you want to 10x your pricing? There's the product pivot where you just change what you do, add more stuff to make it more valuable because there's more stuff in it. There's what you call the people pivot, find customers who actually value what you do 10 times more. And then related to that, I'm going to call it the purpose or the pros pivot. How do you tell the story uh, with the confidence you require about what you do so that it sounds 10 times more valuable? And I think the the thing getting in the way maybe around that is like, I can't tell the story confidently enough. I don't believe that this is 10 times more valuable because either it's too easy or it's something that um, I'm, I'm not adding anything to it to make it more valuable in a sense. And ultimately, what I'm hearing from this is about is that change that you create in people's lives that then adds much more value to their business or their lives themselves. And with someone like Claire, who has a wealth of experience around marketing and community building, there are organizations and they are probably coaches and teams who would find that immensely valuable under learning from your wisdom and your knowledge and experience of how to build these things. And so for me, particularly with Claire, there's a, there's a, a potential people pivot. It's like, who, who can I tell the story to of the work I do in my experience that then, and the change that they want to have in their lives that makes it feel like, oh, okay, actually, I, I'm willing to pay more. Mm. And then relating to that, just a little caveat as well with the 10x thing and then the, how we talk about happy pricing, like, you know, how to price well or how to price more sometimes is what people think about. I think it's just how to price with more ease more than anything else. You could be like, it might be that you're ha- you're, what you're selling, the amount, the, the amount of money that you're selling your stuff for is fine. It's just it feels really icky every time you, you put that price out. So one of the things that we can help with and we'd like people to do is just, just be more comfortable, be more happy to receive that money and to say that number rather so that they can focus all their time and energy on delivery and creativity and storytelling and all that stuff rather than worrying about the next time they have to send out an invoice and think, oh, oh they're going to reject it. Like, how can we make you feel much more happy to send out that invoice rather mm-hmm. than with trepidation and, and fear? Right, last thing, last thing. The last three minutes. I just wanted, I wanted to see if there was something here that we could talk to. Uh, so Francis was saying she actively wants to get people to think about how they might be happier earning less in connection with working with her. That might be worth more to them in the long run. So it's she is pitching her value less about, all right, you're going to get that much more income. Is something else she's selling there. Which again links back to the same thing that we were saying to Zoe, and it's true with the Claire thing, is that, you know, what is it that people are buying? And, uh, what is the change that people are making? And there might be instances where, you know, 
where actually getting people to focus less or worry less about what they're earning is hugely valuable for them because if there's too much focus, you know, for, for somebody in a, in a, in a coaching situation, maybe like Francis is talking about, it might be that somebody is, you know, is too blinded by worries around money. Um, kind of focus on money and actually then missing a whole kind of sort of spectrum of opportunity which exists beyond that. And actually then the really valuable thing that you can do is help people shift that perspective, help people broaden that lens. If that's kind of what, if, if that's what Francis is talking about. But then the same thing is true in that. That is really valuable to some people. You know, that is really important to people that, you know, that might be worth a huge amount of money to them, actually. And so in some form, also, because obviously all we're really talking about on air is how you start to link these things back to what you might charge, how you might get to a price. And even in a situation like that, it's important to remember for the person who is providing the service, yes, one of the things I might actively encourage you to do as my coachee is to think less about money, is to aim to earn less. It may well be that that is an important part, like we're Sort of speaking about, but then it's also important to remember that is potentially really valuable to me too. And so it's about how you then take that intent and start to understand how you would put sort of prices around that. Because in some form, there's going to be a financial exchange where you are providing your coaching services and somebody is going to give you some money in exchange for that. And so, you know, all we're really talking about are the ways you can explore around that to get to that number, all those numbers. So the way I'm going to break that down was. The theory is value is in the eye of the beholder. So understanding what's really important in that in the client's life that you're doing for them rather than coaching or mentoring or, or selling a widget. And then I think particularly with what Francis is talking about here, then how we come across or how we communicate with the client in order to give them confidence and clarity that the price that they're paying makes sense and so a potential hurdle i'm not saying francis does that is that if we have this story about money that i can't bring it before i don't want to promise that you're going to make more money so i'm going to promise that you might earn less money or i'm not going to even talk about money in the first place because i find it uncomfortable that could be a hurdle even though the whole purpose of the the work you're doing is to get them to worry less about money themselves and be more comfortable to earn less and actually to shift the way they work so it is less fraught with anxiety and stress and busyness. But they, at some point, you still have to get them to understand, okay, it's worth this much money for both of you to be comfortable with that number. And so there's something here around the theory, what is a value, versus the practice of like, how do I still talk to someone about charging 250 pounds, 500 pounds, 600 pounds a coaching session, even though they're going to earn less as a result of it. And that, if that starts to feel uncomfortable, you won't be able to do that well. So I think that's part of the, uh, I think, you know, nice way to end this in terms of the message, like, great in theory, how are we going to do this in practice? And what do we need to think about? What support do we need? What self-work do we need to do in order to just own this well? I think when it, so with Francis, they sound like she was helping people uh, earn less but feel richer. And there is a gateway to money. Excellent. And us at the Happy Pricing course, yeah, we're going to make you earn less and feel happier. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know you're worth it. <laughs> but yes, um, I hope you enjoyed uh, this conversation. We're going to be here next week with less fans 
No, loads of fans. <laughs> loads but of no fan. No fan. No bzzz, No laptop fan. But loads of happy pricing fans. Just to be clear. Until then, thank you very much. Take care. Bye bye.